Hello and welcome once again to episode 83 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So last Tuesday, Apple gave a preview of accessibility features coming later in the year and I'm just going to assume that means iOS 16. Um, in celebration of global... Accessibility Awareness Day, which was uh, this week. Uh, so I figured, uh, what a better time to do a read-through of all the new features to come. So here we are. Um, before we get started, I also wanted to like point out that a lot of people think of accessibility features as either specifically for the blind, uh, which they're not, um, or specifically for disabled people, which they can be useful for disabled people, but they're not. Uh, so, uh, accessibility features really are for everyone, um, and it enables anyone, like, and I, I want to use anyone rather than everyone, it enables anyone to use te technology devices, uh, in a way that best suits them, uh, so whether, uh, like, no matter how, uh, how, uh, your body is, or no matter how you behave, you are able to have a pleasant experience using uh, devices. Um, and we in common, like, uh, in common everyday uh, language don't really have language to best describe things other than uh, disabled and, uh, like, neurotypical or stuff like that. So uh, I want to call out a few times during, like, our read-through, like, whenever Apple does use some interesting terminology that we can also perhaps adopt into our own vocabulary uh, that does uh, that is more um, inviting uh, to people of all shapes and sizes. Uh, so <laughs> before I fumble trying to think of vocabulary on my own, uh, let's get started. All right. So yeah, the first thing that they have here Sorry, let me resize my window here. Is uh, door detection for users who are blind or low vision? So I'm, we're just going to kind of read through this this um, the the actual paragraphs of the article, and then we'll kind of comment on it. So uh, the article says Apple's introducing door detection, a cutting edge navigation feature for users who are blind or low vision. Uh, door detection help can help users locate a door upon arriving at a new destination understand how far they are away from it, and describe door attributes, including if it's open or closed, uh, and when it's closed, whether it can be opened by pushing, turning a knob, pulling a handle, uh, etc. That's really cool. Um, door detection can also read signs and symbols around the door, like the room number at an office, or the presence of an accessible entrance symbol. Uh, this new feature combines the power of LiDAR uh, camera and on-device machine learning, and will be available on iPhone iPad models with the LiDAR scanner. Um, it'll also be available in a new detection mode within Magnifier, Apple's built-in app supporting blind and low vision users. Door detection along with people detection and image descriptions can each be used alone or simultaneously in this detection mode, uh, offering users with vision disabilities a go-to place with customizable tools to help navigate and access rich descriptions of their surroundings. In addition to the navigation tools within Magnifier, Apple Maps will offer sound and haptics for feedback for voiceover users to identify the starting point for walking directions. Uh, these are really cool. Um, I, I mean, 
very cool that when I saw this, um, the kind of head uh, image for it, it shows a screenshot of this, and it's very cool. And you can definitely tell that uh, they would need something like LiDAR and machine learning and the camera to kind of make this all work. And it's cool that, um, I don't know, for me, when the, you know, they they announced LiDAR for the iPhone, it seemed in a way a little gimmicky, uh, you know, super cool that it helps with photography and stuff, but they're kind of expanding it to be very, very useful to a lot of people. Uh, in ways that are perhaps you wouldn't think of when you think of LiDAR, but now it makes sense that it can do distance detection and it can do machine learning to, uh, you know, essentially parse an image and say, oh yeah, here's an, uh, uh, you know, a wheelchair symbol or, or whatever it may be uh, to let these people know. Um, so It can super be their cool. eyes for them. Exactly, yeah. I um, There's this really cool YouTube channel that... Um, I think is called stuff made here. Let me, um, and he did something kind of similar. He's this programmer, but he also, I think worked on like a, for a company that makes 3d printers. And so he's like both software and hardware engineering kind of guy. And he made this, this device for his iPad that had a bunch of, um, it, you could think of it like a grip, but it had a bunch of, uh, I think little pins that would come out and you, it would basically, tell you more or less distance from something. And I believe it also used the LIDAR to do that. Um, anyway, this is really cool. It's just, you have your phone uh, and that's all you need. It's just kind of one, uh, it, you know, it's an all in one type of thing. So very cool in that sense. Um, also cool that it's, you know, customizable. Like Dimitri said, we're all very different and we all, you know, maybe, uh, I just am, have very low vision and uh, I don't have my glasses or something. I don't know. My vision's not that bad, but it's, it's pretty bad. Anyway, you could customize it to your uh, needs and not have it give you all the features or it could give you all the features. So super cool that it's uh, very personalized if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people with diabetes, they can have trouble uh, seeing the whole picture because mm -hmm. of like literally someone took a Sharpie and started drawing all over your vision. That's basically uh, what they described it to me as. Um, and uh, that can be, that can be difficult when you can't see everything, but mm -hmm. if you have a device that you can bring close to your face, you can see that a little more clearly. You can move it around your field of vision a little more easily um, and get, get the whole picture. So if that can see what you need to be looking at, then that, uh, can be helpful in those situations at all, as well. Um, and I wanted to bring up that this is all done through Magnifier, which uh, is an app that's built into all iOS devices. You can turn it on for um, your control center. Um, and this works like a literal magnifying glass. Uh, you can go ahead and like have your phone right up to, up to a book, and it will zoom it up way big, way bigger than yeah. the camera can. Um, and it will up the contrast and make it way easier to see and read. Um, and this is all built into that app. So that app is kind of like the catch all for all sorts of cool visions related things, um, with regard to being an extension of our own bodies just through the device itself. Uh, so, uh, that, that is uh, really 
awesome that uh, that app has continued to grow over the years and it didn't just kind of wallow out of existence like so many of these uh, ancillary features tend to do. Um, and I'm really excited to see it uh, mature in this way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so going on to the next one, uh, we have advancing physical and motor accessibility for Apple Watch. Uh, so Apple Watch becomes more accessible than ever for people with physical and motor disabilities with Apple Watch mirroring, uh, which helps users control Apple Watch remotely from their paired iPhone. With Apple Watch mirroring, users can control Apple Watch using iPhone's assistive features like voiceover and switch control and use inputs including voice commands, sound actions, head tracking, or external made-for-iPhone switches as alternatives to tapping on the watch display. Uh, Apple Watch mirroring uses hardware and software integration, including advances built on AirPlay to help ensure users who rely on these mobility features can benefit from unique Apple Watch apps like Blood Oxygen, Heart Rate, Mindfulness, and more. Uh, so the main like headline screenshot of this is uh, you have... A little card on your phone, kind of like when you first pair a watch or a HomePod or uh, AirPods, except that is your watch display, um, mm-hmm. and you can fully interact with it uh, directly. Um, and the neat thing about this is if you have your phone already configured for voiceover or switch controls or what have you, you can be wearing your watch or someone could ha- assist you in putting on your watch, but you don't ever have to operate it directly. You can have your phone... Right. Uh, mounted wherever you need it and you can operate uh the phone direct the watch directly via your phone's larger display um Mm -hmm. so i think that's really really neat you don't need to twist your wrist or anything um and this could be super useful for guess what everyday folks if you have your watch mounted (laughs) on your arm because you're doing a run instead of like twisting your arm awkwardly to see it you can just pull out your phone and stop your workout or do whatever you need to do uh straight from there so this is an example where, like, initially conceived for an accessibility need, it be- makes it accessible for everyone, right? Uh, you no longer need to uh, need to uh, not have these features because no one thought of them, right? Um, so I think it's really cool that uh, stuff like this gets invented and then becomes available for everyone, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. It's exactly right. I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, there's at least one um, accessibility feature that I use on the daily, which is Backtap. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find it in the. There is, I mean, it's awesome. There are so many accessibility things, but there are a few menus. Let's see, yeah, okay, accessibility, uh, touch, Backtap. It's at the very bottom. Um, and you have the option to either double tap or triple tap the back of your phone and it can perform some action. Uh, the one that I have found the most use for is just turning on my flashlight so I can just, uh, you know, unlock or just unlock my phone and back tap like that and it'll turn on. Right. And that's sweet. Cause, uh, you know, easier than trying to find the little button on the, on the lock screen or whatever. So, uh, definitely agree that these things are, you know, uh, again, probably conceived for as an accessibility feature, but again, are useful to uh, anyone. So that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Going quickly back to the back tap, what I like to use mine for is Spotlight, because you can't actually mm. access Spotlight from within an app. Like you can get to the mm-hmm. flashlight, for instance, by going through Console, control Center, 
But for Spotlight, you have to exit the app, go to the home screen, and then swipe down to get yeah. anything. Um, and I always use Spotlight for like quick calculations. Um, so anytime I'm in, an, I'm in an app and I need to like access that, I just tap on the back uh, and I get a little Spotlight thing uh, and I just use it as a calculator nice. for all intents and purposes. Uh, but I'm not like really out of the app when I'm doing that. I can jump right back into it. Um, and that's basically my same use of Spotlight on the Mac. I yep. don't ever search for anything with it. I use it as a calculator. Um, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Awesome. Uh, like that's what it enables, right? Uh, so yeah. it, it is accessible for those reasons. Um, on the AirPlay thing, uh, I'm wondering now if your watch doesn't ever have to turn its display on, even though it's streaming yeah. like video over, uh, to the phone, I'm wondering if it ends up having much better battery life as a result of it just being able to do computational stuff rather than mm-hmm. display like shooting photons to your eyes um which tends to be the biggest consumer of electricity because it turns into photons uh so uh yeah i i, I wonder what the battery life is for something like this if it's uh something that we had to wait until now to be able to do i'm sure apple has been like using the same exact technology that, that's behind this to be able to demo apple watch stuff uh like during keynotes and stuff this whole time so i don't think it's anything particularly new i just wonder like if the battery technology finally got good enough though if this works for the iphone not the iphone uh the apple watch series 3 which is still for sale correct Mm -hmm. um then i guess battery has nothing to do with it because that one will uh be the same as it always was i don't know my series 3 gets better battery than my series 6 5 my series 5 <laughs> uh so it's also the bigger model so that's likely why but mm-hmm. i always found that funny despite it being 2 years older yeah um so another thing that they can do with apple watches is uh, you've got like hand gestures. So it says uh, users can do even more with simple hand gestures to control the Apple Watch. Uh, with new quick actions on Apple Watch, a double pinch gesture can answer and a phone call, dismiss a notification, take a photo, uh, play or pause media in the now playing app, start, pause, and resume a workout. Uh, this builds on the innovative technology used in assisted touch on Apple Watch, which gives uh, users with upper body limb differences uh, the the option to control the Apple Watch with gestures like a pinch or a clench without having to tap the display. Uh, yeah, so I so, love I love how Apple calls that out as upper uh-huh. body limb differences. Like it's not descriptive at all, but it gets the point across, and mm-hmm. um, that's one of those uh, terms that I wanted to kind of call out to because I think it's important to get used to like talking about accessibility in this way rather than. Um, a disability more of something mm-hmm. that is just a difference um, because it like that might be their whole body you know it wasn't doesn't necessarily need to be an accident or anything that um someone can end up some way it's just if you're born that way that's the only way you ever knew yeah um exactly. and we're all kind of born uh, a little different you can say on average we all have two arms and two legs but that's not necessarily always the case it's an average um as with so many things biological right right so this is a physical pinch on the screen though right it's not like the no so this is oh the, oh the it one is where you okay clench or you tap um, okay so i was unclear last year. Yeah, yes i remember last year like, for the accessibility preview 
Yeah, I remember, like it says here, gestures like a pinch or a clench without having to dis tap the display. I didn't know if, I guess that makes sense. It is the same sort of thing. Super cool though. Um, yeah, I, I want it. I've, I've never tried it before. I should try it. It would be super cool to, to see how well that works. Have you, mm -hmm. have you done it before? I have not. I, I didn't nope. even recognize that it was likely available. Uh, and I think it is, right? It was previewed last so, yeah. year. Uh, so I believe it is in WatchOS 8, I think we're on. I'm I'm so, like, lost for the numbers. Uh, I think we're on WatchOS 8. It makes no sense that nothing matches anything. Um, so you just have to memorize them. Um, yep. But... Uh, but yeah, so to over to go over it one more time, you can clench your wrists, and I guess that like makes your wrist bulge or something. I don't know exactly how they detect it, but yeah. they detect it. Or you can pinch your thumb and index or any other finger. I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, and that subtle vibration um, mm -hmm. is likely easy for them to pick up. Um, and when is this useful? Well, whenever you don't have a second hand to operate yeah. your watch gone are the days where you need to be born with a pointy nose uh now all <laughs> nose shapes yeah. are are uh, a moot point because you can go ahead and uh and operate the one hand that has a watch on it yeah well i was just thinking like oftentimes uh, when i go grocery shopping i'll just throw my airpods in and and you know to change a song on my watch i just generally shuffle all the music in my, on my entire phone you know, I'm, I'm holding the cart and then I have to go like this and, you know, like push the cart a little, then, you know, hit next yeah, or whatever. Get a, get a little leeway. <laughs> yeah. So being able to just like clench on that would be super nice just for, you know, again, just everyday Just don't clench stuff. your grocery cart, right? That's going to be yeah, I mean, doing the same thing. It's like such a mundane uh, use for this, but it's also useful for, it could be useful for me. So uh, mm -hmm. super cool. And then, you know, for others that need it more, then eat all the better. Mm -hmm. Or if your hands are wet or anything that means mm -hmm. that you can't directly operate the screen, uh, this is super useful for. Uh, and I'm not joking about the nose thing. Like, I constantly will go ahead and type my password with my nose because oh my that's God. the only pointy <laughs> thing I have that would, could do it at that moment in time. Uh, whether I'm, like, holding stuff, you know, like, there's all sorts of situations. You can oftentimes hold a bag while doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. ridiculous movement so maybe the pinch and clench gestures don't work for that situation i'll still have to rely on my nose uh but i think it's pretty cool that um it is an available thing now so i'm definitely going to try it after we finish recording definitely me too uh so this takes us to the next one uh and this is live captions come to iphone ipad and mac for deaf and hard of hearing users uh so for deaf and hard of hearing community uh, for the deaf and hard, in, hard of hearing community, uh, Apple's introducing live captions on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Users can follow along more easily with any audio content, whether they are on a phone or FaceTime call, using a video conferencing or social media app, streaming media content, or having a conversation with someone next to them. Users can also adjust font size for ease of reading, live captions in FaceTime attribute, auto-transcribe dialogue to call participants, so video calls uh, become... So group video calls uh, become even more convenient for users with hearing disabilities. Uh, when live captions are used for calls on the Mac, users have the option to type a response and have it spoken aloud in real time. So others who are part of the conversation, uh, in real time to others who are part of the conversation. And because live captions are generated on device, user information stays private and secure. Uh, so this is really, really cool. 
um, and I'll, I'll explain why in, in a few um, moments, but I first wanted to call out that uh, the deaf community is one of the few that embraces um, their mm-hmm. own personal uh, situation, and it is not a disability. And oftentimes, yeah. uh, the deaf community will look down upon people who try to make them fit in with the hearing community because like it's a rather large uh, amount of people that could be born deaf or become deaf over time. Uh, and uh, they want those people to feel like they are normal, which they totally are. Um, and it's just a language difference ultimately at the end of the day, like they're capable of reading and writing English, but they are also capable of signing American sign language, which is not English. Like it's a different language. Uh, for all intents and purposes, and yeah. it's on you, the receiver, who may be able to hear, uh, but does not know how to sign. That like it's on you for not being able to understand them. It's not on them to try to lip read and be able to understand you. Uh, yeah. So uh, I wanted to call that out because I think it's important to uh, recognize that, like as as with most of these things, uh, it is not something as like clear cut as. Uh, there's normal and then there's everyone else because there isn't it's just there's a mix and you have the bag that you got <laughs> when when you are at a certain given moment in time so uh going further from that so live captions enables uh anyone who is watching a video or getting audio content coming out of their phone to be able to read that content rather than uh listen to it and i think this is big because it opens up uh, all sorts of uh, avenues uh, for everyone to enjoy content more. So specifically, uh, I want to talk a bit about my situation. So I'm not deaf or hard of hearing. Um, in fact, my hearing is completely normal. I'm able to hear sounds across the spectrum without a problem. Uh, but I have a cognitive issue where I cannot understand what's coming out of uh, like understands the speech that someone else is talking to me with uh, whenever there's any amount of like noise or uh, conflating information like my brain is just un- incapable of processing it I do very poorly at like loud parties where there's a ton of people I just mm-hmm. won't be able to hear anyone I will ask them to repeat four times and then just give up um, and uh, this is one of those kinds of features which I think are tremendously cool uh, because Many times when watching videos, like I just have captions on automatically, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's subtitles for a different language or captions in uh, for English uh, language shows, because I just can't keep up with the show unless there's text that I can read uh, and parse. Um, and oftentimes I use both like simultaneously. Um, so something like this is really, really cool because it enables captions for things where no one bothered putting any captions um which is often i would have to say um like one of the benefits of like t- broadcast standards was forcing um mm-hmm. channels to put captions for th- like the what's the the act called the americans with disabilities act or something like that yeah ADA. Um, yeah uh and that forced uh everyone to put captions which benefits once again everyone uh so i think this is really neat that we don't need that anymore and we can use our devices which have gone pretty good at understanding uh us better than i can at least uh, and as long as it's better than i can that's that's the bar that uh, i needed to meet right um so i am super looking forward to this i will probably have it just enabled on 
uh, all my devices because I think that's super useful. Uh, and it remains interesting to see what like Apple will do with it. Maybe they can turn it into a mode where just your iPhone will be listening and will always be transcribing. Um, mm-hmm. Though I would assume anyone could build that right now. Like the APIs do exist. So um, that could be very interesting for other situations. Going back to, you know, on broadcast television, having to have those closed captions, someone's sitting there. And as far as I know, it's like a stenographer Mm -hmm. because they have to keep up with, you know, multiple people talking at the same time, uh, captioning that live. And so now having your device able to do that again, like you said, for anything, uh, not just content, but if you're on a FaceTime call with someone or whatever, uh, having your device be able to keep up again at the very least like uh with at, at the same level as you if not better or, or anyone not you specifically um it is it, it's insane kind of the the amount of progress that we have and imagine just having to i mean not that anyone would do this but hiring a stenographer 24 7 to live translate all of your or live caption everything that you look at uh not really a feasible thing, but you just have this supercomputer in your pocket that can do it for you now is pretty dang, uh, you know, that that's just insane. So and super cool to see this. It's not like it will replace stenographers, right? Like they still sure. have uh, their, uh, a very specific use for um, actual oh, yeah. like live, um, live broadcasts or uh, classroom Court settings, rooms. Uh, courtrooms, um, it's yeah. a very specific talent that is much more precise than uh, this yeah. needs to be. Um, so this has a lot of leeway that it can get away with. Um, and a, a quick call out to shows that are live in some situations, but then broadcast for like everyone else. Adjust your closed captions, please. I'm I'm looking specifically yeah. at you, John Oliver. Uh, and HBO Max because uh, HBO Now, That's HBO awesome. Go, whatever it's called. Uh, because uh, the captions are like, I don't know, 10 seconds late. Um, mm-hmm. So we've we've gone beyond whatever he was talking about. And then the captions are like finally like filling in. It's like, yeah, you can adjust this in post. You can scoot it over. The show is recorded and being broadcast after it's been recorded. So it's like... Even if you just do an automated, like, minus 10 seconds on all the uh-huh. captions, that would have been perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, it's a little maddening when those things don't line up, because then for someone who is both listening and reading, well, you can't do that anymore, right? So now it's like you have to half listen, half remember, uh, and then uh, read while he's saying something else, and that becomes maddening quickly. Uh, so, mm. yeah, uh, just because these technologies exist doesn't mean... Uh, they make life easy for everyone. Like that is kind of selecting just for people who don't have the volume on, right? Um, and the, there's yet another use case for something like this. Hey, many people don't want to have the volume on while they're in bed or uh, mm. here or there. Uh, so like if you're in class and you want to watch a video and they don't have closed captions, you can now use this to watch the video without like making it obvious that you're watching a video in class. Um very nice. Not that that's something I've ever <laughs> wanted to do, not being in class for the past 10 years, but uh, right, that is yeah. something that is now capable. I don't know what people do nowadays. I'm sure they have much better uh, inventions. I'm like, I will be able to watch videos in class. Like, yeah, we've been doing that already. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is really cool from that point of view only. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, voiceover uh, adds new languages and more. So uh, Apple's industry-leading screen reader for blind and low vision users is adding support for 20 additional, uh, sorry, more than 20 additional language, locales and languages. Wow, I can't talk today, sorry. Um, including Bengali, Bulgarian, Catalan, uh, Ukrainian, and Vietnamese. Uh, users can also select from dozens of new voices that are optimized for assistive features across languages. Uh, these new languages, locales, and voices will also be available for speak selection and speak screen accessibility features. Uh, and additionally, voiceover uh, users on, on the Mac can use the new text checker tool to discover common formatting issues such as duplicative sentences, or sorry, duplicative spaces, or misplaced capital letters, which makes proofreading documents or emails even faster. That's cool. So they have they have a list at the bottom with all the languages, um, which I think like is important to call out, not just the popular ones. Um, but we have Arabic for around the world, uh, Basque, Bengali uh, in India, uh, Borpuri in India, probably mispronounced that one, sorry, uh, Bulgarian, Catalan, Croatian, Farsi, French, and Belgium, so different dialects, uh, Galatian, uh, Canada, Malay, uh, Mandarin, and Liaoning, Shanxi, uh, and Sichuan, uh, Maranthi, Shanghainese in China, uh, Spanish in Chile, uh, Chile, uh, Slovenian, Tamil, Telugu, Ukrainian, Valencian and Vietnamese. So a whole bunch of new languages um, and uh, dialects. Um, so a, f- a few points on this, like a lot of people think, oh, Chinese is spoken throughout China. Like all the different dialects of Chinese are just dialects of Chinese. No, they're different languages. Mm-hmm. One number one. Yeah. Like Mandarin is not Chinese. It's a completely different uh, language altogether. Um, and... Uh, Basically, every city has its own language. That's how uh, many languages there are in China. And they're still trying to kind of bring them under one umbrella in all being fluent in Mandarin. But that is still not the case today. So um, something important to consider. Um, so it's good that they're bringing a bunch of dialects there. Uh, and then for around the world uh, as well. Um, one I wanted to call out was Vietnamese because my mother-in-law is Vietnamese and we try to set her up with an iPhone. Um, Mm. but a lot of like features are just inaccessible to her. For instance, maps, because maps are entirely, uh, in English. Um, and Mm. if you want to navigate around, you can't have maps tell you to turn in Vietnamese, right? It's just the Vietnamese language was not part of the system up until, uh, I guess iOS 16. Uh, So it's going to be uh, really cool to see if, because it's available in voiceover, it may not be available in Siri, but it is available in anything that's read aloud. Uh, So that Mm -hmm. means that maps could potentially, because it is localized in Vietnamese, it's just not the the language, uh, the read aloud parts are not. So um, I can see this being uh, very useful for uh, her and a whole bunch of other people in uh, the Vietnamese communities around California and around uh, the United States and potentially the world. Um, yeah, all Vietnam, Vietnam as well, I guess. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of them. Uh, but they exist too. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, super cool. I mean, 
going back to the um the the you know dialects and everything like uh the the only one that i can sort of account for is like the the spanish chilean one is um for example in probably i think mexico and in argentina where i learned spanish uh there are words that uh in one in one country are harmless and then in another country are very vulgar the same word right so uh, have it, it would be very weird if your iPhone just, you know, threw out vulgarities at you and you're like, what is going on? And it's just because it's not localized to the, you know, the form of, of Spanish that you learned or whatever. So cool that mm -hmm. they're expanding this. And that's, that's a lot of languages. I wonder, do you think that this is a part of like the audio recordings that they collect from Siri or machine learning? Or how do you think they're doing all of this? Or if it's, they're just hiring people to I think they're definitely just hiring people uh, oh. to speak and be professionals and be their uh, their flagship for those particular languages and dialects um, because it is something that has so much nuance that you can try to say, oh, machine learning will take care of it. I mean, Google Translate has famously just let machine learning take care of it, uh, but then you get ridiculous things as a result of that, um, especially... Right. Uh, as people misuse language, then the Google Translate can be wildly uh, out of reality um, and not at all useful in those uh, situations. So I definitely think that they hired at least one and probably multiple people for each of these dialects to uh, really be able to master them. I mean, it's not out of Apple's um, ability to be able to hire 50 folks uh, around True. the world. Like that should be uh, uh, pennies uh, to them. Uh, and, uh, it's good to see them finally be able to make use of that talent to like make it available to everyone technologically. Right. Um, that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. And I think it's really cool that, um, for the Mac, at least, I don't know about iOS if it has something similar, but, uh, to have the text checker tool, um, that's something that I did hear, uh, was an issue, uh, from like voiceover users directly was they are never completely sure how like what they transcribe is going to show up mm. as um mm -hmm. because they can't see it and like oh, an extra space means nothing to voiceover um but it does look wonky to um people who are reading it so uh this can give them the confidence to be able to uh polish what they're working on a little bit more um mm -hmm. if they if they want to put the time into it um so i think that's pretty cool um, all right, so we've got some additional features here. Let me scroll down real quick. It's got a bunch of screenshots here. Um, yeah, okay, so like I'll just Let's look at this first screenshot. Yeah, uh, th like this first one is super cool. Um, so it says, with updates to sound recognition, iPhone and iPad can be trained to recognize a unique alarm, doorbell, or appliance. And so the screenshot says, like, set up Jay's doorbell. And so you, it, you, it says, teach iPhone to recognize the sound by making the sound five times. And then uh, it will you know, probably I would assume give you a notification in some way and, and perhaps you could do something with that. So that's super cool. And I, for example, I never hear my doorbell ever. I don't know. I'm upstairs and stuff, but it's not that far away, but I'm usually like listening to music or whatever. So uh, I don't know if I could just like set an iPad up downstairs and have it like recognize my doorbell and give me a notification or something. I don't know. It might be able, uh, it might be able to hear it from upstairs, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or you can or install maybe... your fancy doorbell. 
that yeah, will give you well, home notifications. I, I need, I know, <laughs> I need to get a new transformer, but it's on, it's on my list. So I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. Another one is uh, Buddy Controller, which I think is super fun for games where uh, you can have two mm-hmm. controllers control one uh, character. Uh, this has previously only been possible uh, with uh, such fun-fangled devices as the Wii or the Nintendo Switch, where you can literally split the controller into two people's hands. Yes. Um, uh, and that, mostly joking aside, this gives you a full controller for someone else, so that way, as you can enjoy the game, someone else can help you be uh, proficient at the game where it might otherwise be difficult. Uh, so uh, I think Microsoft has currently been like the leader... Um, yes. in these sorts of features um and it's good to see that it's it's like such low-hanging fruit um mm-hmm. that apple is able to also deliver this now that they have apple arcade and a, a fair selection of games uh that you can go ahead and do this on ios and mac devices i can't uh oh maybe it's because i'm in reader mode i can't find those bullet points oh there we go uh, I know. Oh, that's why just you just jumped to be... directly to the screenshot. I was confused for a moment. Oh, oh yeah, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, this one's super cool too. And Paul mentioned it um, in our Slack when we were just kind of going over this as a topic. Uh, with Siri pause time, users with speech disabilities uh, can adjust how long Siri waits before responding to a request. So you can need to take a little bit longer to either formulate your sentence or whatever the case may be. You get a little bit more time before Siri starts actually processing the request and, you know, doing whatever it you ask it uh, ask it to to do. So super mm-hmm. cool. I think that's um, a great I, one. I I think this is this one's really interesting because I don't know how you use Siri, but I consciously pause and think about the command in my head before saying it. Like I don't speak to another person that way. Uh, I just uh-huh. kind of open my mouth and then regret it later. Um, but with Siri, <laughs> but with Siri, it's I've a learned robot. That, like it's a well, no, like I, you really do need to plan it. Otherwise, like it's not going to come out in any cohesive way that Siri will be able to understand because it's a robot. It's not a human that can fully yeah. parse and be hurt by your by your statements. <laughs> um, so uh, I think this is this is pretty interesting because it might allow you to not need to like pause think about what you're going to tell siri then get flustered and then like need to re-say mm-hmm. it um so you can adjust it to be more like attuned to you um so yeah yeah i, I guess uh, a quick question have you have you ever used intercom with siri no okay so uh with alone. intercom <laughs> Uh, you, you can, you can go ahead and like ping another HomePod or something. Mm-hmm. The only problem is I never know when I should start speaking because you have like a command portion and then you have whatever you want to say. That's just going to be a mm-hmm. voice recording. Um, and oftentimes whenever I use intercom, it just like cuts out awkwardly or because I like waited too long to like start mm-hmm. speaking because I say, Hey, Hey, uh, intercom this room and then I like wait for like a blah blah, but I think that's too late. <laughs> so like I miss <laughs> miss the part where I need to like start speaking, and then the other room just gets, shh, and then that's like all they get, and it's like a failure on my part. Um, nice. So uh, I think those sorts of things all kind of 
fall together in this. I don't know if this is going to specifically solve that, but this is the first thing I thought of when I read about Siri pause time, um, because that is something that plagues my specific <laughs> uh, inability to use a feature that I think should be pretty cool because it, it reduces the amount of yelling you need to do mm-hmm. and my inability to hear after I yell. Like, I can yell and then not hear what the person says in response, uh, right? So... Uh, yeah. I want that intercom to work. It just can't can't to can't seem to wrap my mind about <laughs> how it's supposed to work. And like, I think you're just supposed to just like say, "Hey, intercom, this room," and then start talking really quickly. Um, and yeah, then I know exactly what you want to say. But then I forgot what I want to say because I'm concentrating on thinking about. Okay, I need to say, "Hey, intercom, this room," um, and that's mm. all I have on my mind at that point. My buffer uh, has uh, filled up, and then I'm like lost. Um, so maybe pause time will help with that because then you can be quiet a little longer while you're thinking about your intercom, or maybe you'll just start butt calling people in different rooms without realizing it. You're like, Hey, can you grab me a coffee or whatever? And then just continue on with your conversation or watching your video and just like streaming the whole time. Keeps going, yeah. <laughs> Keeps going and going and going. Um, <laughs> and then just never stops. Uh, so who knows? <laughs> Anyways, I just you, that was funny. I, well, a good thing that it's, you can probably fine tune the, uh, the amount of time to you know I give it a little time settings. figure out you have normal oh, longer it? and longest yeah oh no shoot <laughs> oh no thought it was like up to a second amount or whatever but all right yeah default longer and longest are the new oh, options okay all right uh so voice control spelling mode gives users the option to dictate custom spellings using by letter by letter input so uh, there's a, a footnote here, and I should check this because I'm not 100% sure. Oh, it's just available in English. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. This seems to me like if you're trying to spell something that isn't actually like a real word, uh, it would let you do that. Is that kind of what it is? Or All words is are real words, from... Spencer. Uh! <laughs> I mean, uh, like, but... you know, you you give it an acronym or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, either an acronym or you're trying to spell a word that's in a different language or you're spelling trying to spell oh. someone's name like all of this would apply um, okay cool like yeah uh, I don't know if it if technology has ever misspelled your name but my name has forever been misspelled uh, both by technology and humans uh, so uh, this is something that's useful uh, to be able to dictate out uh, exactly how something should be spelled if, especially if it's not in your context or anything um you can go ahead and do that or spell out words that are not in the english language um mm-hmm. that's also excuse me uh that's also uh pretty useful for that cool no the, i think it gets my name right most of the time although my my um the woes of my childhood whenever we would go on vacation or something you know you go to a gift shop and they'd have like mugs or name tags or whatever with your name on it no, no one, one ever had my name <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no one ever had my name and so that was always like my my uh angst as a child was <laughs> i could never get a souvenir with my name on it for some reason oh so to that we are we are brothers <laughs> yes i i would assume you were in that <laughs> mine well. was no, no I, and the worst thing is when it's like almost there but not <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh they have d-m-e-t-r-y no that's that's Ooh. uh one too many faults and by one i mean all of yes faults. you just have like a bunch of mugs with slightly different variations of your name on your wall <laughs> oh no <laughs> but never the right one 
I think I'm going to have to train my future children to do that for Father's Day because I think that would be very funny. Um, there we go. <laughs> so thank you for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, going to the next one. Uh, yeah. So the Apple Books app will get a whole bunch of new features in this, and I'm, I'm excited by it because I use this app like daily. Uh, and I have some gripes for it that I will save for another day. Um, but you will get new themes and it will introduce customization options such as bolding text and adjusting line, character, and word spacing for even nice. more accessible reading, for an even more accessible reading experience. Uh, so there are screenshots for this. Um, and uh, there's basically two little panels that you get access to. Uh, the first one is basically what we have so far. So you have, mm-hmm. like, three themes, I believe, a few font options, uh, font size, uh, and then whether you want paged or infinite scrolling. And, mm-hmm. like, we have technological devices. Don't use page to use infinite scrolling. Uh, it is better. Um, like, what page are you going to refer to? If you change the font size, the page number doesn't make sense yeah. anymore. It's, like, sure. completely <laughs> pointless. Ah. Um <laughs> So it's like, keep what you're reading at the middle of the device. Um, Anyways, uh, so uh, that is basically what we always had. But now you have Mm. uh, three more um, uh, themes, basically. So it's not just sepia, white, and dark. Um, You have a bunch more. You have bold, you have calm, you have quiet, you have paper. Um, And uh, when you tap on the little options button, you can customize... Uh, the line height, the letter spacing, and the word spacing, um, and whether you allow for multiple columns. I think that might just be on the iPhone, or I don't know. Maybe that's a new option. I'm not sure. Um, And uh, full justification um, as well to make it easier to read uh, paragraphs or not. That's either easier or harder for some people. Uh, So I am super jazzed by that. I wonder if on the iPad you can also customize the margins, because oftentimes as you Mm. make the text bigger... Uh, the margins get smaller and the lines get longer. And that's actually not uh, great for reading. Um, like there's an optimal amount of words per line that your brain tends to like. Um, and once you get like too many words, you can get lost in individual lines because you're just not used to navigating that far with your eyeballs. Um, and uh, I hope that maybe on the iPad you can also adjust the margins, but I'm guessing since they didn't call it out, you probably can't, um, so that's that's maybe unfortunate, or maybe they got better at like choosing good margin defaults. Who knows? Um, so I am definitely looking forward to these. Makes me think like, did they just like? <laughs> I know it's probably not this simple, but the first thing I thought of is like, did they just make all of their strings into attributed strings and just like add the kerning uh, attribute and like, there's your letter spacing. <laughs> well, no, and it's, line height. So... Ebooks are all like HTML, so they could have just done the same in CSS oh. this whole time. Um, it's just, I imagine Apple being very opinionated, wanted to like control the typography as best as they could, um, but they never okay. got as far as they wanted, and therefore they finally relented and just said, hey, okay, you can adjust the, the mm. line spacing um, or the letter spacing. Because for the most part, it does a good job, but then there, every now and then there's like this EPUB that just has the worst mm-hmm. line spacing. It's yeah. like, we put three times line spacing. Uh, enjoy. 
Uh, and I'm like, I don't need to make notes in the <laughs> in between lines. Uh, thank you. And it's like, oh, the book is 500 pages. No, it's not. It's just extra long. <laughs> yeah. That's like, uh, uh, you know, you changing your font, upping it to like Times New Roman, 14 point font, just barely changing it to like 1.5 uh, lines. Do you ever okay, do that for like an essay? In school, I refuse to use Times New Roman and no one ever caught me. I always use alternative <laughs> typefaces, um, and awesome. it's always worked excellent for me. Because turns mm. out teachers don't know what fonts are, um, and teachers that do know what fonts are will not force Times New Roman on you. It's that simple. <laughs> um, so, like, there are a million ways to make your text larger without messing with the font size. Like, you can prove it. It's like, hey, my font is exactly the same size. I just must mess with the kerning and the lighting and yeah. all that yeah, yeah subtle, exactly <laughs> in ever subtle ways that are just gonna like be maddening to point out um but will make your document longer so uh, if you want to cheat learn about font sizes um i don't know why we why we keep going back to like school stuff it's been like 10 no, years i know uh and i'm sure there's better <laughs> techniques now and like not a, like no one submits the hand printed things anyways or do they i don't know what's school I don't like know. who knows it's a mystery uh what is we'll find school? out in 10 more years <laughs> And it'll change yet again. Yeah. Um, and then last, Apple just has a bunch of, like, announcements as far as, like, what they're doing uh, just in general today uh, that you don't need to wait for um, iOS 16. Yeah, so uh, the first one is Sign Time, which will launch in Canada on the 19th. Whoop, that was two days ago uh, as of recording. Oh, they're probably not doing it, or they're probably doing it from now on. It's probably not like... Yeah, it's not only on that day. Okay. (laughs) No more sign time for you. Missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Okay. Uh, So it'll launch in Canada to connect Apple Store and Apple Support customers with on-demand American Sign Language interpreters. Uh, Sign time is uh, already available for customers using in the U.S. using ASL, the U.K. using British Sign Language, and France using French Sign Language. Um, Cool. So yeah, fun... Fun fact about ASL, uh, ASL, American Sign Language, is more closely related to French Sign Language than British Sign Language. Um, nice. Because it it came from uh, Br- French uh, signers that brought it over rather than the British signers. Uh, and once again, like sign language is not the same thing as uh, the spoken language in that country. Mm-hmm. Like the grammar yeah. is different, the word order is different, sign order, I guess word words are... Uh, yeah concepts um but uh yeah like the the ordering uh the way that you can uh modify the words and signs is all different because it's a different Mm -hmm. language uh invented by signers not by speakers yeah i took uh, american sign language in high school because i didn't want to learn spanish Uh, funny how that turned out uh (laughs) but uh it was super cool to learn that stuff. Like the, like you said, the grammar is super different and it's, it's like very efficient. Um, mm-hmm. like how are you is just like how you, but it like, it's very, I don't know. It's very natural and, uh, you can communicate very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's optimized to be efficient for yeah. like transmitting information, right? Uh, instead yeah. of needing to hear, uh, minute differences across all sorts of other sounds that are also happening in the environment, which is why in most languages you have like conjugation and word accordance and uh, like plural and gender and all that. You have all of that so that way you can rebuild all the missing pieces that you didn't hear. 
Like, that's the only function of having all of those extra bits. They're error-correcting codes, quite literally. Um, and, <laughs> and with sign language, you don't really need that uh, because, like, visually you have so much more information that's coming in mm-hmm. uh, than you do from an auditory wave pattern uh, that is, like, very encumbered by tons of noise. So, um, yeah. like, you can you can be more efficient with a lot of things and sometimes less efficient, right? I mean, yeah. spelling but stuff also, out like, is a pain, but if yeah. you need to go ahead and uh, communicate an idea, that can be very quick. Yeah, but also, like, super expressive, way mm-hmm. expressive. It's super cool. Yeah, like contrary to belief, you do use your face, you do use your mouth. Yeah. Uh, just not you're not wording out like what the words are. You're using it in different ways um, to to uh, modify what you're trying to say or sign. Um, going on to the next one, Apple Store locations around the world are offering live sessions throughout the week to help customers uh, discover accessibility features. Uh, so this is like one of the general problems in technology is. You make a feature and then no one uses it because they don't know it exists. And like only Apple can go ahead and do anything about that for themselves. Like they'll never do it for us. But uh, for them, they can go ahead and have uh, like uh, sessions where people can join and learn. um, And they can invite those new customers to those sessions to be able to hear about them and and learn about how to use their device and all the apps on on them. So uh, thank you, Apple, for... Uh, making people more technologically savvy because apparently uh, we still need that in today's day and age. Um, And especially for new features, I think it is useful. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the accessibility menu section in, um, in the settings app is huge, but it's also because it's huge. Like there are a ton of features, but because of that, it's like, it's buried. you, You can get buried in, which part of, of of the accessibility menu is this thing and not even know what's there. So, yeah. Um, the accessibility assistant shortcut is coming to the shortcuts app on Mac and Apple watch this week to help recommend accessibility features based on user preferences. That's super cool. I'm wondering, um, if it's what the user preferences are, if it's, yeah. Just so does it just guess? ML. Yeah. Like, hey, it looks like you're blind. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that that was that was in poor taste. But um, uh, I, I imagine it, it probably can guess based on like the patterns and what you keep trying to turn mm-hmm. on and off. It's like, hey, you can make this yeah. a quick shortcut um, instead. Uh, so maybe that's what it's talking about. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's, cool. it's not going to necessarily be clippy. Um, hopefully not. I wonder how many people are going to get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's old, man. Um, so also this week on Apple Fitness Plus, trainer Bakari Williams uses ASL to highlight the features available to users that are part of an ongoing effort to make fitness more accessible to all, including audio hints, which are short descriptive verbal cues, uh, to support users who are blind or low vision, um, and time to walk and time to run episodes becoming time to walk or push and time to run or push, uh, for wheel, uh, chair users. Uh, additionally, Fitness Plus trainers incorporate ASL into every workout and meditation. All videos include closed captioning in, closed captioning in six languages, and trainers demonstrate modifications in each workout uh, so users at uh, different levels can join in. Uh, so a few things on this. Um, 
Apple Fitness from the beginning has always like welcomed uh, the watchers in sign language, but they didn't necessarily do the whole um, the whole routine in uh, in sign language. So it's it's interesting if this means that the whole routine uh, might be signed, um, which can be very useful to uh, people who uh, who need that. Um, though I guess there were captions the whole time, so that can also be useful but once again like this the deaf community doesn't necessarily want to adjust themselves to everyone else mm-hmm. so this is being inclusive um in that capacity as well um the time to walk or push uh meaning push a wheelchair um is just normalizing that some people just need to use a wheelchair which is um great the more the more things like this get normalized the less they get shunned um and yeah. society in general and i don't necessarily mean wheelchairs but uh there are tons of examples uh throughout time uh that you can probably refer to um and i think uh that um is is uh very cool that they're once again like these little like terminology pieces that we can all kind of learn um i think are useful to add to our own vocabularies no matter how much i keep not using them throughout this episode because I am still learning. Yeah, I um, <laughs> and I try to be better, but sometimes my brain buffer just runs out and I say stuff that I will regret. Um, anyways. Yep, I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> all right, next we have Apple Maps uh, features a new guide from the National Park Foundation. Uh, park access for all to help discover or users discover accessible features, programs, and services to explore in parks across the U.S. globes from Gallaudet University, uh, the world's premier university for deaf, hard of hearing, and deafblind students. Uh, it features businesses and organizations that value, uh, embrace, and prioritize the deaf community in sign languages. Cool. So uh, I think that's great, letting people, uh, you know, experience the great national parks that we have here in ways that uh, suits them and, and they're able to actually, um, you know, do in, in whatever capacity they can, uh, is super cool. That's, uh, national parks are awesome to go to. And it's great that, um, it sounds like they basically teamed up at the national park foundation to, to do that. So it's like coming from them directly. Next we have users can explore accessibility focused apps and powerful stories from app creators in the app store. Uh, check out the transforming our world collection of Apple books featuring stories by and about people with disabilities and learn about creative ways technology is advancing accessibility in Apple Podcasts. So I think uh, they feature uh, Snapchat, uh, which has filters to teach people ASL. So outside of school, you can uh, start learning um, and be introduced. I think the most important part of a lot of this is being introduced to the fact that like ASL is just not signing letters because that's mm-hmm. basically the introduction that most people get. And they're like, oh, yes. yeah, sign language seems neat. I need to spell every letter out. And that's not at all what sign language is. Um, <laughs> that is finger spelling. Um, so me who knows nothing about sign language, like thankfully Lynn has like taught me more, everything I know about it. Uh, and it seems like you know a, a fair amount as well, at least much more well, than the lay person. I, um, it... I took like, it in high school. You, that doesn't mean I. What? Yeah, but whether you still remember how to do it or not, you were introduced to the concepts, right? And I think that's yes, probably the yes. most important part because it has already kind of widened your mind and your thinking about like those kinds of topics. 
Um, yeah, and that's the same same reason why people say like travel is so important because without it, you don't really experience how other people like live in different cultures, and therefore you are kind of closed to your one culture being the only way something is possible. When absolutely, in most cases, it's not right. Um, so that's why it's so important when you do travel to not like be stuck in your bubble, but to like see how their culture has uh survived and flourished this whole time completely separately from yours right um and in many times despite yours uh yours being a potentially colonial uh culture that has taken over or tried to take over them several times uh so uh that is something very important to kind of like be mindful of uh that's separate from uh the mindfulness app which they mentioned a few times which uh yeah um, Apple Music will highlight the Saylists playlist, a collection of playlists that each focus on a different sound. Uh, choosing one and singing along is a fun and engaging way to practice vocal sounds or the- uh, <laughs> speech therapy. Uh, so one of one of my close friends is autistic, and he had to go through speech therapy to be able to like speak and be uh, confident in social situations. Um, And it's because of that that he has opened up so much and he's like a great person to be with. Um, So speech therapy is like super important and it's good to see more resources become available uh, for parents who have autistic children. um, So that way they can acclimate at their pace uh, to be able to like become functional in uh, the adult world because that's that's probably the biggest uh, worry that most uh, families with autistic uh, family members have is how are they going to be able to um, to to live without us, right? Um, right? And that's that's always the biggest worry that they have. So uh, being able to give them confidence that they can uh, they can get what they need on their own and they can be autonomous uh, is super super important. And oftentimes, speech therapy is one of the first things uh, that can help that out. So. Um, I think this is super cool that uh, Apple is adding more resources uh, specifically for this um, because uh, it's it, depending on where you live, it can be very hard to uh, find uh, a center that can help with autistic children specifically um, because it's it's not super rare. But if you don't live in a city, uh, everything becomes like the law of averages becomes a lot more wild. So sure, um, that is super good. Good to see Apple pushing. All right. The Apple TV app will highlight the latest hit movies and shows featuring authentic representation of people with disabilities. Uh, Plus, viewers can explore guest-curated collections from the accessibility community's standout actors, including Marley Martin of CODA, uh, Lauren Ridloff of Eternals, Selma Blair, uh, introducing Selma Blair, Ali Stoker, Christmas Ever After, and from Christmas, sorry, yeah, and more. Yeah, so nice. once again, yeah, it, normalizing this is yes. super, super important. Like, it's likely media that normalize LGBT, like, representation that mm-hmm. allowed a whole generation to be more okay with it. Um, and it's it's not that we need to be okay with it. It just needs to be part of everyday life that some people uh, just uh, like uh, represent- representing themselves to others differently. Um, and not necessarily having the same attractions as uh, you do, and uh, I think today's gener- like today's kids, are super a okay with this, and that is thanks totally. to like a s- 
ever so slight progression over time and it's not instant and um, it's great to see more of this being represented um, because although there are tons of um, deaf movies that have been produced like you probably haven't heard of any of them other than uh, maybe Coda because Coda was something that was <laughs> broadcast everywhere um, and made uh, made super obvious that it existed where uh, most other deaf creators could not necessarily get that same push because people didn't necessarily care about the story that uh, they were trying to push for. So um, right. it's great to see this get more attention and it deserves it, honestly. Yeah, super cool. I'm, uh, I, man, I, I've heard that Coda is one that pulls on your heartstrings. So I'm like waiting for a time to like be ready to, you know, like be there emotionally for it and stuff. So uh, I'm excited to see it and I've heard awesome things from it. I just haven't seen it yet. So. On the and I'm in the same boat, <laughs> but yep. uh, we have both heard of it, and I think that is uh, a testament to uh, that. Because the more you do hear of it, the more you want to like find the right moment to watch it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt that way? Like, oh yeah, you hear so, such great things about something that you never end up watching it. Like, I really, really want to watch Interstellar, um, but just oh, never, man. never watch it because I'm like, okay, I have to have like the good sound. I have to have a uninterrupted <laughs> sure. like seven hours to watch it or however long it ended up being. Seven hours. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, totally. I really want to watch it, and therefore I have not watched it. So same with Coda. Um, and I think that's a testament to how good it likely is uh, that mm-hmm. people look forward to watching it, but never end up actually getting to it because they want to like have a sacred amount of time uh, to really enjoy it and absorb it. So this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by NotPhu. Uh, tired of eating the same old meals time and time again? Consider Vietnamese food. You might already know pho, but there are a ton of other flavors specific to Vietnamese cuisine that are sadly not well known around the world. This includes everything from sandwiches like banh mi, rice plates like com tam, and even the deliciously savory crepes known as ban seo. That's where the app NotPhu comes in. It's a free-to-try app dedicated to teaching you more about the wonders behind Vietnamese cuisine, brought to life with colorful and interactive illustrations and animations. Learn how to make many classic Vietnamese flavors at home, but even if you don't cook, you'll know how to order like a pro the next time you visit your local Vietnamese restaurant. Nuisance version 1.1 is the Chef Club, regularly bringing you even more recipes like avocado and mango smoothies, fried rice, chicken curry, and my personal favorite, chicken beef, for the low cost of $2 a month, with more recipes added regularly. Recently, the Chef Club saw the addition of meatball bun mi and tofu bun mi, two twists on the classic sandwich uh, that add even more variations to your repertoire. Thanks again to NotPhu for sponsoring our show. Search for NotPhu, that's N-O-T space P-H-O, on the app store today to give it a try, completely for free. Um, and NotPhu is completely uh, localized in Vietnamese, so it will likely get Vietnamese ex- uh, voiceover once that launches in nice. iOS 16. Uh, so a benefit to planning early. <laughs> yeah, in any case, uh, off to our mini review corner, uh, where we buy too much stuff and therefore find a point of us showing it to everyone. Uh, so last week, <laughs> I received oh, my Kickstarter delivery of the iOS app icon book by Michael Flarup. Uh, so this yeah. is this wonderful uh, shiny tome. You can see Spencer right there. Say hi, Spencer. Um, and 
you really can't see anything but that is Spencer right there like if you wait there you go there's the hand yeah you um, can kind of tell <laughs> you can kind of tell um and this book is awesome and I say that not only for uh does like if you want to get into app design like tons and tons of oh. inspiration uh just like all over the place uh for awesome app icons but if you're just an app developer I would suggest getting this book uh, one, because you can go ahead and work with a designer and say, hey, I really like the style of this icon, this icon, and this icon. Yeah. And then the designer can tailor your your app's design to those stylistic uh, properties that you pointed out. Um, because oftentimes we, like <laughs> as we mentioned uh, today so much, we lack the vocabulary to describe what we are after when we're not used to um, that field um of communication uh and design is likely one aspect that tons of developers know very little about Mm -hmm. uh so if you can't necessarily say like oh hey i uh want an icon that uh looks like uh something super cool and i i want it flashy (laughs) and it has to be sexy uh, if that's like the limit of your vocabulary for describing what you want out of an app icon, it's going to be a long process before you end up with what you actually want because maybe you have a clear image in your head, you just lack the ability to communicate that, or maybe you don't have a clear image in your head yet, um, and you need some examples to kind of narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a book like this is uh, great for being able to focus um, that quite a bit more. Yeah, it's super cool. I I saw the Kickstarter and I didn't end up um, backing it. I don't quite know why, but I just uh, pre-ordered it for like the non-Kickstarter Kickstarter pre-order. Um, in one sense, I just think it's cool as like a um, a celebration of app uh, apps in general, right? But also just like, especially looking at some of the older, and we've talked about this before but some of the older um, app icons and stuff and just how much detail were put into, you know, the leather textures and all of this stuff. And, and Dimitri's, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. I'm just going to call it like the fried, uh, you know, kanji letter or whatever. Oh, uh, the Katsudon. Yeah. Icon. Yeah. The Katsudon. Uh, you know, all of this stuff is like people put in a lot of work and even if they had a designer do it, you know, they're, they're a part of that process and it's just kind of a really cool celebration of, this like niche art form that is the iOS app icon and really how, how far people take it. And yeah, I think it's super cool. I'm stoked to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a testament to how well pre iOS seven iconography. Exactly. Like still looks good nowadays. Yeah. Um, because I think iOS 7 kind of pushed for here's a more simplistic way of making app icons that anyone can make. And even though it was much more simple, plenty of people still butchered. Um, and not to mention like tons of people going for the the Android look where you have like that diagonal shadow out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like those, <laughs> like it's simple to make. You have a one shape glyph and then you add an effect to it and then you're done. Uh, the iOS treatment would have been a very vibrant like single gradient downwards behind a white glyph um and that would you could call it done um but you miss out on like being super expressive and recognizable um in a way that a single glyph 
like doesn't uh-huh. really support. So uh, there is no reason not to have a really awesome looking icon. Um, it's just it's out of the capability of most uh, designer yeah. novices' hands. Uh, and therefore, you don't end up with that. But if you do work with a, a true-to-form designer, um, then you can get something that looks super amazing. And the way to communicate how amazing you want it is to have some good examples uh, from like a book like this. So um, I would definitely encourage anyone who does any amount of app development to get this book. It is like an invaluable resource uh, to get the best examples, basically, uh, that are out there. Um, I also want to point out that, like we mentioned, I think, was it two episodes ago, uh, where, like, you only get better by practicing? Um, This book may be, like, one of the best things, because oftentimes it shows you, like, the the stylistic process that that some designers went through to make an icon. Um, And you'll see, like, they are amazing with a pencil. Oftentimes, it'll show you their their sketches, and they're awful with a pencil. They, like, cannot use a pencil to save their life. Um, you get the idea that that turned into, like, this gorgeous icon afterwards. But, it, like, it's not like they took a picture of that and then traced. Uh, they they sure. redid it from scratch on the computer uh, with a tool that they're way more comfortable with. So, <laughs> yes. um, like, you don't have to have a good hand-eye coordination to be able to draw uh the icon directly you you don't need that at all um if you are capable of nudging pixel by pixel until you think it looks perfect like that's how a lot of designers work so uh don't feel uh like you can't do that on your own all you need really is practice and what better way to practice than pick a random icon and spend 30 minutes trying to recreate it and cap yourself at 30 minutes like don't don't spend one month working on one icon. Spend 30 days working on 30 different icons uh, because you will get way better, way quicker um, just trying to reproduce what you like. Mm-hmm. And by trying to reproduce what you like, you're going to start noticing, oh, to do this, they added a subtle shadow. Like that's that's the way to get this. Or maybe they added a gradient. And the less someone shows you what exact techniques they use, the more you have to think about it. But by thinking about it, you remember that technique a lot better or you remember how to get to that solution a lot better. So it's a lot less memorization and a lot more like configuring your brain to work in a certain way. Um, And it is super useful um, just as a technique in general. So if you do want to get great at like making icons, um, I would suggest hands down get a book like this, specifically this book, um, and spend 20 to 30 minutes every day like practicing on an icon just pick a new icon every single time whether you finish or not doesn't not matter um just go ahead and go through the motions of building that icon and you'll see after a month of doing it you're going to get a lot farther than day one of doing it um and eventually you'll get to the point where you can very quickly make an icon that looks exactly like that from a distance like in no time at all and you might also learn the skills to get all the shadings and uh, light working perfectly to your favor. Um, so, like, great way to practice. Yep. It's uh, it, that whole thing just reminded me. I mean, it's the problem solf- solving process, right? Where we say, build a table view 100 times, you'll be able to build the table view really fast. Uh, mm-hmm. 
same thing you're, you're you won't forget any of the methods that you need like you'll know exactly uh-huh. how to connect it's like oh silly me i it, i didn't even hit run yet but i forgot that data source like you yep. will you will have all of that under control just by doing it tons of times whereas if you only do it five times you're gonna be like scratching your head pulling your hair out because it's not working and you're like what I, what didn't i do right i did all those tutorials but you just didn't do them as many times right yep make that pottery yeah. So as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when you new episodes get released, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Bunil, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. So I have, like, a super silly thing for commented out. I haven't done okay. Apple Fitness in forever, uh, but they called yeah, out that, like, every Apple Fitness thing um, has... Uh, a variation that's much easier um and when i was doing apple fitness forever ago uh there was uh, a character in the background that was doing the easy one uh and it looked like ben (laughs) and i could not get the image of ben out of my mind (laughs) um and he was always doing it like super lazily like putting no effort into doing it properly with the super buff person in front was doing it Ben was like la (laughs) So, like, in my head, it was forever Ben is uh, messing around in the background. <laughs> and I don't mean to bring light, because what we were doing in front of the TV was Ben's version, not the totally. super, like, muscular uh, guy with, like, uh, a prosthetic leg that's, like, out compete outperforming all of us. <laughs> like, like, we were not able to live up to that. We were only able to live up to Ben, but just seeing Ben in comparison to that was, was so funny to us. So we we died of laughing every time uh, he came up on screen. Um, hey, I think look, his man, name don't... might have been Ben too, and that's like what nice. like really ruined it for us. But um, sorry, Ben. Uh, I know, I know you haven't been look, on the show for a while. But that's all I think about every time I think of Apple Fitness. <laughs> don't don't bash on Ben's side gig. All right, man. He's just like trying to make a living. All right. Why didn't he tell me he was out in LA this whole time? <laughs> No, that's awesome. I um I also haven't used Apple Fitness in since it came out and I, I think I tried it once or twice and I was like, Oh, I feel terrible. This is awful. I am I don't ever work out and I should, but uh yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll try it again. I don't know. I man, yeah, working out is a whole thing. I, I wish I could. I just don't. I hmm. Yeah. Good good idea uh in practice and in in theory just not for me someday i don't know um there's a comic i think it's called strange planet that kind of exploded during the pandemic it was Mm -hmm. it uh has these little uh i think they're purple or blue like aliens Aliens, um, and and they they go through the motions of human uh society and culture um, and there was one on uh, working out that I saw scroll by this past week. Um, it was like uh, feeling pain, 
to feel less pain. <laughs> I think yeah. that that isn't the exact like feeling that you get out of it. Let me see if I can find it quickly. <laughs> Here's one that it's so one of the aliens is doing push-ups and another one walks in and he says, "Are you in pain?" "Yes." I push myself up to let myself down, so I'm up to 50 letdowns a day. So many daily letdowns. I have acclimated to it. <laughs> That's very good. We'll, <laughs> we'll post a link Here, to a bunch I've, of these. I've, I found this one that I was thinking of. I'm folding myself to become more foldable. It is pain that prevents pain. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so true. Yeah, Strange Planet is awesome. By Very so good. the author is Nathan W. Pyle. By his books, uh, they are mm-hmm. absolute joys to go through, especially if you've never like seen them. Uh, oh. Please support him so he continues making these. They are so awesome. And um, who's the other guy? Oh, something Norris, I think. The oh no guy, Alex Norris. Yeah, Alex Norris. Oh my gosh, his are so Doris good too. Comics. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Those are when the realization fantastic. kicks in, right? Uh, Here, okay. We'll, we'll post a link too to that. Ah, so good. Yep. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>